0: Hello, everybody. Before we jump into today's episode, we have two sponsors we want to say thank you to for supporting this show. The first one is Routine. You guys have heard me talk about Routine, honestly, back from the early days of the podcast, and it's still a product I use every single morning. They have a prompt for me here. I'm going to do a little impromptu on this ad read today because, honestly, this is a product that I truly believe in, and so I'm I'm just going to tell you guys exactly what I think and why. First and foremost, um, this is a stat that they shared, but when you sleep, you lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water. And most of that's just sweating while you sleep. Um, I used to not know if that was actually true, to be honest. I felt like a pound to a pound and a half of water seemed like quite a bit while I slept. But the one thing I did constantly pay attention to when I started using routine was just the fact that before using routine, I always felt a little dehydrated in the morning, and and I'm one of those people that when I get up, I get up really early. Usually, I work out. one of the One of the first things I do is some form of fitness. It's just like what I do before everyone's awake, and so it's very easy for me to grab a coffee, you know, pre workout, an energy drink, something with caffeine in it, and just go. When I am good about using routine first, I basically take they come in these little single serve packets. Um, they contain half an organic lemon. A tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and they have no sugar in them at all. A lot of hydration products are going to have sugar, so one of the things routine, one of the things about routine that I love is that there's no sugar in there. Um, So when I am good about doing this consistently, I will take one of those single serve packets, I'll throw it in my mixer bottle, and whether I also put in a pre workout or something with caffeine, or I just drink that separately, I try to drink that first. And the days I do that, I do genuinely feel hydrated, and just have a different form of clarity all morning. A lot of people have tried to make their own homemade versions of routine, right? You see people making, they take a a shot of the apple cider vinegar and they put a little sea salt, a little lemon in a drink. This is essentially that, but in a product that you can take with you on the go, have it ready for you first thing in the morning. I know me personally, when I'm groggy rolling out of bed, the last thing I want to do is you know, squeeze a lemon, cut lemons up go get the apple cider vinegar, find my sea salt. I just rip this packet open, throw it in my water, drink it, and it's good to go. You can try yours today. If you haven't tried it yet and you've been listening to this podcast for years, just try the damn routine. Give it a shot. You can use code ShaneWhite30 and get 30% off your first order. So You get 30% off by using code ShaneWhite30 and go to YourRoutine.com to make it even easier, I've added the link to yourroutine.com in the show notes, so just click on the show notes for this episode, click on the link to yourroutine.com and don't forget to use code SHANEWHITE30. All right guys, today's episode is also brought to you by brought to you. It's brought to you by NeuroRoast. Again, I'm going to go a little off script here. NeuroRoast is a product that I also came across during this year of 2023. They are a a coffee brand, coffee company that's helping you optimize your brain function and overall well-being. This is another product that, to be honest with you, when I first started working with it, I was a little on the fence. I was like, do I really want to have mushrooms in my coffee? Well, folks, I will tell you, when I use NeuroRoast, one of the things that has stood out to me the most is in, well, I'll back up. People that know me know that I have way too much caffeine, typically. One of the things this year I've done a good job of is cutting out alcohol. Not completely, but predominantly i don't touch a lot of alcohol anymore what i think i've actually done the other way though is added a lot more caffeine so i don't i do definitely drink too much caffeine that's something i need to work on next year is to try to minimize how much of that but neural is something that has actually helped me because of the way they've formulated their coffee like unlike regular coffee which is you know still something i consume but neural specifically um doesn't cause jitters or crashes. Mushroom coffee provides a more balance and sustained energy, allowing you to stay focused and productive throughout the day. So the times I do use Neuro Roast, I'll be honest, I, I just don't feel that jittery, like Ugh, I'm jumping out of my chair or standing here at my desk, jumping around feeling. So give Neuro Roast a try. They have some really good flavors. I'll be honest too. The two guys that started Neuro Roast are just really good, really good dudes based out of New York and uh, they're hustling and and hopefully they can they can get some People to try Neuro Roast this holiday season um, by listening to this podcast. So, for you folks who've been on the fence, I'm telling you, it tastes delicious. They've done a fantastic job of making this coffee not only be functional, but taste fantastic. And if you want to try Neuro Roast, you can use code Shane White. So, it's super simple, just Shane White at checkout. Um, you'll also get 30% off. So, if you go to neuroroast.com, and once again, I have added that to the show notes. So just click into the show notes. While you're listening to this episode, you can click on NeuroRoast link directly. Don't forget to use code just Shane White and you'll get 30% off your order. Um, hope you guys love both these products. I'm trying to not only bring you guys products that I use, but that I believe in on the podcast. Um, I'm not taking ad reads for any brands that I don't really believe in. So anyway, hope you guys love both those products, yourroutine.com and neuroroast.com. I've added those links to the show notes. I uh, hope you guys love it. And I got an awesome guest coming up right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Shane White Show. I'm pumped today to have Stephen Sashin on the show. Stephen, welcome. How are you, my my friend? I
1: could use a nap and a clone and a clone of my and an assistant and a clone of my assistant and an assistant of my clone and then another nap. So I was just
0: awesome. I, we were just talking before we hit record. I was I was saying I always know when I have guests on here when there's multiple people that have to be involved to book it, and then you're like weeks and weeks out that I know you're a busy yeah. guy. There's yeah. some people where I can get them on, you know, like, oh, let's jump on tomorrow. And then there there's some folks where that's that, you know, yeah. you got to go through. Some, I, I, some I used to be that trips. guy.
1: It's been a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to jump in today. You're the you're the founder of Zero Shoes. Um, Can you give everyone who's listening a little bit of a background into you and, and specifically the brand as well, just for people who don't know what I'm talking about? Sure. Uh,
1: so what happened for me that led to the brand is simply this, uh, I'm 61 years old now when I was 45, so do the math 16 years ago, I got back into sprinting after a 30 year break and I was getting injured pretty much like every other week for about the next two years. Okay. A friend of mine who's a world champion runner, which I was living in Boulder, Colorado at the time. So saying world champion runner is another way of saying my neighbor, they're everywhere. Uh, suggested that I try to see what I would learn if I ran barefoot. Now, I'm not suggesting people run barefoot, so people can calm down about that. But I will tell you it changed my life. And the reason is because when you're running barefoot, bad form hurts, good hmm. form feels good. And so that first barefoot run... Um, I was just really just I don't know how to describe it entranced. I was just really fascinated with what would happen if I changed my gait in all these different ways. If I ran faster at the same pace with the same cadence, same number of steps per minute. Ran slower at the same cadence. Ran at the ran with a faster cadence at the same speed. Slower cadence at the same speed. Landing on this part of my foot, that part of my foot. It was amazing. Now I'm a sprinter. Okay. At the end of this little barefoot run, somebody had a GPS watch. I said, how far was that? Now I had never run more than a mile of my own volition and okay. I didn't enjoy anything after the first hundred meters of that. So um, when she said that was a little over 5k, I was like, what? Cause I had no idea. I could have kept going, but I was, you know, we all stopped. And, uh, and so The gist is I learned that I had a form problem Mm. that I couldn't feel through my regular, quote, regular shoes, and I could feel when I was barefoot. And from being barefoot, my form naturally changed. My injuries went away. I became faster. For the last 15 years, I've been a master's All-American sprinter. So in my age group, one of the, like, 15th fastest guy in the country. Oh, wow. Good for you. Okay. Thanks. It's kind of fun. Um, and I wanted that natural movement experience because it was clearly so valuable. But um, my wife is getting tired of me coming into the house with my dirty ass bare feet on our white carpeting. And I got tired of arguing with restaurants about whether it was legal to be in there in bare feet. It is, by the way. I would say, Steve, um,
0: I could see you being the guy that walks in and is like, "I'm barefoot, and oh, I'm allowed to be barefoot." Oh, it's it's worse. Um, one day I'm walking
1: into the office and I catch my reflection in the window, and I'm wearing kind of ratty shorts and you know a t-shirt that me had seen better days. My hair was especially big, and I just stopped and I went, "Oh, I'm that guy." <laughs> okay. So, um, so. But what I did is I made a pair of sandals based on this 10,000-year-old design idea, and other runners started asking for sandals for themselves. And I, mm. they told two friends, and they told two friends. And one day a guy said, I got a contract to write a book on barefoot running, and if you had a website for this sandal-making hobby of yours, I'd put you in the book. Well, I've been an internet marketer for a long time. I'd made hundreds of websites. so I rushed Oh, wow. I pitched this brilliant opportunity to my wife. She tells me I'm a complete idiot and it's a waste of time, waste of money, won't work, won't make anything. And so she said, do not build a website. I said, okay, I won't. And then she went to bed and I did.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and so Our, was, all
1: good businesses are started. <clears throat> yeah, um, and so that was 14 years ago and it, it just took off. I mean, uh, and in fact, on day two, when my after my wife kind of growled at me, she looked at what was going on and said, all right, if this is gonna be for real, Uh, you're going to need someone running the business. And she's a brilliant operations finance person. So that's how it all began. Um, And what we do in short is we're making footwear design to let you feel what you've been missing with regular shoes, which is natural comfort, improved performance and health. And the way we do it is by just getting out of the way. It's not about footwear. It's about form. It's about using your body naturally and optimally. And it's just that some footwear gets in the way of doing that. And we get, out of the way. So, for example, we make shoe. Wait, I'm going to grab a shoe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the first thing we do is make stuff with a wider foot shaped toe box instead of. Wait, I'm going to grab a normal shoe instead of something that's pointy, which oh, is yes. the yep. shape shape your foot. Mm-hmm. Like I like to say to people, you know, when I point to their pointy toe box shoe, I go, "Is that the shape of your foot?" They go, "No." I go, "What problems might you encounter if you shove a foot shaped thing called your foot into a non foot shaped thing called that shoe?" Right, sure. And then they go on for hours about the problems they're having. So anyway, so that's one thing. Uh, We make things low to the ground for balance and agility. We don't elevate your heel because that messes with your posture, tips you forward, and then you have to adjust with your ankle, your knee, your hip, or your back, and that puts strain on those joints. Sure, Um, that makes sense. You know, we don't have toe spring that's where you can't flatten your foot out at the front uh, and if you have a stiff sole in a shoe they build that in because otherwise you'd be slapping the ground mm. the soles of our shoes are super super flexible because you have a quarter of the bones and joints of your whole body in your feet and ankles that's so they can bend and flex and move for balance and agility so of course your foot will never you know roll into a ball like this but the point yeah. is the shoe can um, and we make the soles designed to accommodate one other thing you have more nerve endings in the soles of your feet than anywhere but your fingertips and your lips. That's to tell your brain what you're stepping on or in so it can adjust your gait, depending on what you're stepping on or in, by first moving those bones and joints in your foot. So the soles are designed to give you traction and protection, of course, but also that ground feeling that you need for effective, efficient, and perhaps most most uh, importantly, enjoyable movement. And most running shoes, for example, they say you should replace them every two to 500 miles. Yeah. And big, thick, padded ones, even more, my God, I was at a trade show a couple of weeks ago. This is a the question I had shoe- for you today. Well, hold on. Check this out. Some of the new shoes that are coming out in the next year, they're single-use shoes. They're literally designed to fall apart after one race.
0: Are these, these are, yeah, for like marathons maybe or something? Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was going to say. And, uh, oh, and they're like 400 to $500.
0: Yeah, I, I was. I ran it. I ran the Chicago Marathon a couple years ago, two years ago, in Alpha Flies, which yeah. at the time I think the pair I got was the new ones. They were three fifty, and they're designed for yeah eighty miles maybe at the max. Well,
1: and even worse, the design of those you know super maximal shoes. Um, so I'm a a former all American gymnast and B physics geek. So oh, the first cool. time I saw you know some big thing of padding, I went padding is like a trampoline. It's tuned to a weight and speed. If you're not running at the right speed and you're not the right weight. These things are going to get in the way badly. Mm. So, Oh, it's um, kind of
0: like you're trying to fight gravity. It, exactly. Yeah. So, you know,
1: so basically all foam sucks energy. So these things are designed to suck energy less if you're the right weight and speed. Basically, many people don't know this one. The Harvard Indoor Track has a similar design where the panels on the track are made for an 800-meter runner who runs about a 148
0: oh and it weird. weighs
1: about 135 pounds okay if you are not that fast and not that light it gets in the way because it's just like out of sync if right if you are that weight and that speed you're going to set a pr
0: Re- okay interesting mm-hmm. so it's yeah. just like some of these shoes are just designed they're same thing they're designed for like kipchoge i'm sure yeah. right it's like yeah like it's meant for him to try to break two hours or whatever <laughs>
1: Yeah. Now, I'm so glad you mentioned that. So after he did break the sub two marathon under perfect conditions yeah, right. uh, and everyone's going, it's the shoes. There was a couple of articles that came out that did not get publicized very much for reasons that will become obvious with Kepchoge saying it wasn't the shoes. It was my legs doing the running. <sighs> did not get a lot of attention. I'm sure. Nike didn't love that. No, they did not. It's not
0: good marketing. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. So anyway, last but not least, you know, we make our shoes that uh, we make the soles with a different rubber material. So we say they have a 5000 mile sole warranty.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, Yeah,
1: we just make them durable. We want to keep things out of landfills. We want to make them stay on your feet. And we, we have had people who said they wanted to invest in us saying, well, the first thing is you got to make these shoes not last so long. And we went, and we're done with this
0: call. Yeah. Like, Well, so- it's so funny you say that Stephen, cause that was generally one of the, what one of the main questions that I had when I was, when I, well, so let me, let me give you, thank you for giving the background on that. I'd love to, I, I want to give you kind of like why I wanted to have you on here too. I think everyone <laughs> listening will love yeah, who this. Who are you? What are you doing well, No, here? No, it's so great <laughs> because th- this is, this is, this is my story. So I. I am not a runner. I would not call myself that, but I do, I actually have started running quite a bit. I ran, I've run two marathons. So like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like that typical, like, uh, you know, I do, but, but wait, I do more wait, like. But how does that, how do, how do you
1: say you're not a runner and you've done two marathons plus? I,
0: I think it's because I, I like to think of myself, I do a lot more like functional fitness. So I do, I do like a mix of CrossFit and some functional fitness. And then i run with my dog in the morning. Okay. So it adds up okay. to be actually a lot more miles than I've realized this year. <laughs> And then I've done some races because I think they're challenging. It, it, genuinely, Steve, I've signed up for them before because I, I don't think I'm a very good runner. And it's a big challenge. And I've just got more it. than anything, like, challenged myself with stuff. I told you, like, I, I ran the race in Nike Alpha Flies. And then last year was the first year. I would say last year, maybe I can say I, I kind of became a runner because I, I actually got, like, a running coach. and I took a very the marathon very serious. But during that process, I tried, I, had, I think I had used, like, four different pairs of shoes. All of them were cushiony. I had uh, I'm gonna butcher this but so- 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 Socony's, Socony's? Socony, yeah yeah I had um I'm gonna I'm gonna blank on of those. I've had like three or four of the main brands all super cushiony shoes um, trained in those have used those forever and then transparently the first like true barefoot style shoe I tried you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this I I be- I've become um. I wouldn't say friends, but to some degree, a a close acquaintance with a guy named Marcus Philly um, who does some functional fitness training on the West Coast. And he promotes uh, Vivo Barefoot. So I just, he had like a discount code one time. I grabbed some of those last year. Love them, but they fell apart. Like I got holes in them. I felt like in a couple months. And so they were okay. They were overseas. I remember when I bought them out that they had like ship them over took forever. And again, nothing against brands overseas, but like they weren't American made. I was like, I took forever to get here. They were the wrong size. It was a pain in the ass. But I love the barefoot style, at least of, of those. And so I actually started running in those a lot. And I, I felt the same thing, like just for everyone listening. I like actually I'm a person that has benefited from running with more barefoot uh, running. And I was starting to sub out the cushiony shoes for those vivos every, I would say like every other run. And it became like two runs a week, three runs a week. And, and pretty soon I was running in those more than I was running in the cushiony ones. Fast forward, we we moved, I like got rid of some shoes, I threw out the Vivo Barefoots because they actually got holes in the heels, like legit holes through them. And I've had some friends online that have been wearing your shoes. And they're a bunch of Ohio guys that do like powerlifting. And so I actually thought you were like into powerlifting. I thought it was like a powerlifting brand or something. And you guys ran a Black Friday deal. So just to give you a little credit, like I saw one of your Black Friday deals pop up. I'm like, you know what? I've been wanting to get another pair of of Barefoot shoes. I didn't want to buy Vivos again. And I've been seeing all these guys wear zero, and I'm like, I'm gonna try them. So i the goal of me getting on here was I bought them on Black Friday. I've been wearing them, and it's so funny because now I've like I've shelved the cushiony sockinis again, and I've been running in the barefoot shoes. And I, me and my dog run quite a bit, and I'm like, my feet feel so much better. Yeah. And I kind of forgot all that, so it's funny that like to kick this off, the story you gave because I truly am like in the middle of that right now, where my feet feel so much better. I've really enjoyed wearing them; they're comfortable, and I don't I forget they're on my feet a lot of times, and then. At the end of the day, my feet don't hurt.
1: Yeah. Well, I want to, first of all, thank you. It's wonderful to hear. Secondly, I want to highlight two things. Um, A, we, um well, three things. We hear all the time from people saying, uh, I accidentally went to bed wearing my Zero shoes because I forgot I had them on. Because they are really that's a compliment. lightweight. That's the, that's yeah. the it is. you know, that's the other thing. They weigh way less. The second thing is, You know, people do, they find out about us in one way and they think that's who we are. I mean, if you look behind me, you know, we have casual and performance shoes, boots and sandals for pretty much everything you can think of. Literally, you know, fully waterproof snow boot, um, sandal that you can wear at the beach and everything in between. But but the biggest thing I want to highlight is what you did, which was brilliant, which was the right way to transition. Mm -hmm. Because if you've been not using your body naturally, if you will, um, things get weaker, things get develop muscular patterns, if you will, that are not necessarily ideal. And so it takes a little while and different amounts of time for different people, depending on various neurological things, to make that transition, to start using your body the way it was made to be used, People doing that, to adjust your mm-hmm. gain accordingly. And what you did was you know perfect. It's like you start small, you build it up. So so just taking your time and listening to your body until it feels like, oh, now it's fine. I mean, we have some uh, professional basketball players, similar thing. I'm saying to them, don't play in our shoes wear them around the house, wear them when you go to the gym, wear them when you're warming up and doing a shoot around. And eventually, you know, we have something you can start playing in, but you want to get used to it first. And, and some of it is literally just getting that little bit of feedback that reminds your brain what to do to work properly. Like I like when people will put on our shoes, which are totally flat and they go, I feel like I'm leaning backwards. Like, yeah, that's because when you're in a shoe with a big high heel, you have to lean backwards and stand up straight. And so now you're leaning backwards. um, but, very quickly they adjust and then they go, Oh, I feel like I'm my posture's better. It's like, yep. So it's it, it is fascinating watching, but that's that's a great story. I have to oh I have to give it my dog version. So yeah. my wife and I got a dog, our first dog ever. Um I can't okay. say that I love my dog more than my wife. At least that's what she tells me. And um she feels the same way. But I did learn with this dog who's you know low to the ground and kind of long that and I called my sprinting coach after I had the dog for a week. I said, I learned something from this dog. He's what? I said, I can run, I can sprint full speed, no warm up at 6 a.m. Because that's what the dog wants to do. And so it's super fun at first. And at first he kind of humored me and he would run at the same pace I was running. After about okay. two weeks, like, no, no, you're going to try and keep up with me, baby. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. So yeah dogs I do, I, are wild. Yeah. So I do. How they like trim. adapt. Yeah. Well, I do yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, he pulls me and I try and keep up with good form. It's a blast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, we do the same thing. Like my dog, it was funny too. Like I probably do. I'm a lot slower than you, obviously, and maybe go a little bit further than your normal run. Yeah. And at first, like you know, a year ago, he was, he was fine. He does good. He's in really good shape, and he eats really well, and he's healthy, and he, you know, all that. And then. But lately, yeah, he he he's like he'll stop and sniff, and then run past me and keep going. And sometimes I'm like, I feel like he could just go all day. Like he he would rather he would rather stay out there and just keep running, and doesn't and need to come home.
1: Well, I have to keep mine on a leash because um, I don't know what the hell he would do otherwise. But Damn. so he is pulling me along to do overspeed work. But the other thing is, he's so much faster than me. What he does now, he'll like run a little ahead of me, and then turn around and kind of jump at me, and then turn around and start running ahead of me because like he's like, come on, let's go. <laughs> What kind of dog is this? Uh, he's about nine different things. So okay, everything yeah, yeah. he he is is not what he looks like. He looks like he could be kind of beagle or partly Jack Russell or partly whatever, but it's like none of those. We had his DNA done, and uh, when I show people the report, they're like,
0: "Really? That that's what he is?" Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Okay. He's, okay. He's great. Nice. Well, one, one question to back up to, Stephen, because this is one, and I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to my mom, funny enough. she, Me and her were just having this conversation. My, my mom, and I'm sure there's lots of people that listen that probably have this exact same question, so that's why I want to ask you. Um, she's had some knee issues. She actually broke her ankle a couple years ago in like a, a, a bike riding accident. Um, so now she wears, the other day I saw her and she was wearing like thick hokas. And her yeah. concept in her head was like, this is actually helping me like cushion my knees and my ankles and stuff. And my argument to her, and this was like, you know, a week or two after getting back into your shoes was like, I think you're actually potentially making it worse. Like, I think, I think it's actually like, it's destabilizing all of these core joints and yeah. muscles in your legs. And I was like, I think actually walking in barefoot shoes is going to, it's going to probably bother you at first. You have to like ease into it. But I think it actually would act- potentially solve some of the things that you feel like you have pain with. I'd be curious your thoughts because you're, you would know the answer so, to that better than
1: me. This is one of those things that's going to sound counterintuitive to some people because it is counterintuitive. But sometimes our intuition guides us in the wrong direction. So, for example, I'll take it way out of context. There's food that we love that just isn't good for us, okay? Tastes really good, feels really good, not good for us. And we don't really notice a problem except, that you know, if you just ate nothing but chocolate cake, uh, which is one of my fantasies. If you ate nothing but chocolate cake, eventually it would catch up with you similar thing here there are things that can feel good that aren't necessarily good for you so for example let's think about a memory foam mattress you lie on it it feels really good would you do push-ups or jumping jacks on it no no why it's sucking the energy out of the system it's unstable you're it's causing problems but why does it feel good it feels good because when you get in just the right position you can relax all your muscles what happens if you just keep relaxing your muscles for longer and longer periods of time? They get weaker.
0: They we get weaker, yeah. yeah. Right. People
1: come back from space, they can barely stand up. You know, you sit on, a, people are in hospital beds, they can barely walk after a while.
0: Mm-hmm. Research shows
1: a similar thing with your feet. If you don't let your feet move, I mean, this is not rocket science. Sure. you, know, you yeah. put your arm in a cast eight weeks later, it doesn't come out stronger. If you put your foot in something that doesn't let your foot move. Again, I'm going to use a n- normal shoe. I'm literally trying as hard as I can to bend this thing. And where it's bending barely is not even where your foot bends. You put your foot in something that doesn't let it move, your feet get weaker over time. But again, why does it feel good? Because you're not using your muscles, ligaments, and tendons. Your Things are getting relaxed. That part's kind of obvious. Here's the counterintuitive part. Cushioning doesn't cushion. So what happens is two things. Um, I'll I'll do the world's fastest physics lesson. Uh, It's about the difference between pressure and force. And Hmm, I'm going to use a fun example. Have you ever seen the video? It was a slow motion video. I think maybe one of the first slow-mo videos ever made of this kind of big fat guy getting uh, shot in the stomach with a cannonball.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
1: If you watch it again, and it's really fun, uh, you see that the cannonball hits him and just the fat kind of, you know, ripples and his whole body kind of, you know, ripples around the cannonball. That's the pressure being dissipated. But the force is still going into his body and it takes this 350 pound guy and, you you know, shoots him five feet back. So when you have cushioning in your shoes, it's the same thing. The cushioning spreads the pressure out. So your feet don't feel it. The force is still going somewhere where whatever the weakest link is, your ankle, your knee, your hip, and your back, you typically. And so the research, people don't like research. They don't change their mind based on research, but I'll say it, the research and it was done by, uh, um, oh gosh, I'm horrible with names now. It's really annoying. Um, anyway, it might come to me. Uh, it was done by someone who thought cushioning is good, more cushioning must be better, which is what we all intuitively believe. It right, 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 right. It's so obvious. Almost any cushioning does not reduce impact forces. Okay. More cushioning does not change that. Cushioning does not cushion. What your body does when you have cushioning underneath your feet, and that can be in your shoe or it could be being on grass or sand, for example, your leg stiffens and tries to use the cushioning but it doesn't work. And partly your leg stiffens because your feet aren't getting that feedback through the cushioning. So again, you've got more nerve endings in your soles than anywhere at your fingertips and your lips. How much can you feel through an inch or two of foam?
0: Yeah. nothing. Okay.
1: So your brain is trying to adjust to get some information. And one of the things that it does is stiffens your leg to make a harder impact, to get some info. So put it all together. And that's fundamentally the problem. And Again, people don't pay attention to the research. It's been coming out lately uh, in the Washington Post and the New York Times. Is that these maximally cushioned shoes can be maybe beneficial for a small group of elite runners who, again, run at the right speed and are the right weight. But for everyone else, they could be problematic because you're just out of sync, and they're not letting you feel the ground. So you could have form problems that you will never know. They're still squeezing your toes together. There was actually one bit of uh, one article I'm going to do a video about and comment on it where somebody was saying one of the problems is because they are so high off the ground and they have this big toe spring thing where they keep your toes elevated, is it changes your gait in a way where your musculature might not be ready for it. It'll shove you onto your toes and require you to use your toes or your your plantar flexed foot, your pointed foot, in a way that isn't normal and you're not ready for. So that's a problem. Um, I'll use a complete variation on a theme People are calling pickleball, A, the fastest growing sport in the country, and B, yeah, the yeah, cause of more injuries than anything else. It's not pickleball, I would contend. It's the footwear that we were wearing when you're playing pickleball. High off the ground, can't feel things. You're unstable because you're high off the ground. You get a little tippy, just like basketball players. You know, they fall off an edge of a shoe. They get a sprained ankle. Same thing with um, pickleball. We have, <laughs> my wife and I have friends that have known us. We met them right after we started the company. Dear, dear friends, never wore our shoes. We never talked about it. We never asked. They never occurred to us. They never bought them. They okay. Them.
0: Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, just it was something in the background you didn't like you didn't talk about much.
1: Uh, it never occurred to me. And uh they emailed us recently, they gotten really into pickleball. They moved away, sadly, gotten really into pickleball. We're getting a whole bunch of problems. I can't say words that sound like they're medical. So had a whole bunch <laughs> of problems. Okay. And then decided to see if, you know, new shoes would make a difference. They went to Zappos, I think. And looked up pickleball shoes and a couple of ours were recommended so they bought like 13 pairs of shoes including ours tried wow. on all the others didn't really like them put on ours and went wow these are really comfortable i don't know if we can play in them though so mm-hmm. they decided well we'll give it a shot we'll bring our regular shoes just in case and after a little while they each independently had the same experience they they emailed us independently and said i forgot i was even wearing them and within a week all those issues that i had gone And again, it's not because of the shoes. It's just getting out of the way of what's natural and optimal. If you're low to the ground, you have better lateral control. If you can feel the ground, you can be more responsive. If your toes aren't getting squeezed together, you can use them for balance and strength. If if your heel is not elevated, you're not messing with your posture in some way as you're playing. So, you know, we we just see that all the time. But again, the simple thing for your mom, you know, I should have started with this. If somebody's wearing some super maximalist shoe or even just a normal shoe, and you're totally happy in it, and you're not worried about getting injured, even though most runners get injured uh, during the course of a year, and I'll say something fun about that in a sec. If you're totally happy, great. I'm not going to try and talk you out of what you're wearing. I will say that when you're done wearing those shoes for your run or whatever you're doing, you can put on one of the things we have for casual use. Something to wear in the office, something to wear around the house. That will, A, help you with active recovery because they let your feet bend and flex and move better. And B, there's research showing that just walking in our shoes builds foot strength as much as doing an exercise program for your feet. And there's research showing that making your feet stronger by doing that same exercise program reduces your risk of running injury by 250% over the course of a year. Wow.
0: So, okay. So just like getting back to natural movements. I mean, it's it's getting back basic. to using
1: your body the way it's supposed to be used, the way it's been used for, you know, since we've had bodies.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I mean, that's wild. It's funny. So knowing you were coming on the podcast today, this morning I grabbed the, the soap. The, so it was funny. Black Friday, I grabbed a new pair of, of Sauconies. Yeah. And I grabbed your shoes. And the thought was, oh, I'm gonna like, for my functional fitness, I'll be wearing the zeros. <laughs> That's my new thing. And then I'll be I'll be running in the Sauconies again. And then I've been running in your shoes. Like I said, I told this whole story. And I put the Sauconies on today. And the the analogy I like to use is, and you said it too, when I'm wearing zero shoes, I feel like every step I'm like gripping the ground in this weird way. Until you wear them and run in them, it's like hard to, it's, if yeah. you're watching the video, you can see them with my fingers it's like your toe. I was reading something the other day, like how your toes in theory should really, they should act like your fingers. Yeah. And it's funny because when I wear the sock I thought about today while I was running, it's like, I feel like my, my toes are pinched and then I'm just like flop. My foot's flopping. Yeah. It's the best analogy. Like, it's just like, there's no, i, I it's just like, I'm basically like a dead weight, dead fish yeah. taken step by step is yeah. what it feels like.
1: Here's a funny version of that. We sponsored a, a cycling team for a little while. We have a new one that we're sponsoring now from uh, the Novo Nordisk cyclists who all are people who nice. are um, people who have diabetes, who are, I can't, I'm being politically incorrect. There's a new phrase for people with diabetes, not diabetics, Um, but anyway. um, Oh,
0: is that not okay now? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, it's a thing. It's like people don't want to be labeled as a something. They want to be a person with a something, as an example, which I get. I get get it. um, Yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm just not good at keeping things in my mind. I'm not Um, either. So um, we had a cyclist who was clipped in, you know, wearing their cleats and their SPD um, uh, pedals. And after they finished their training ride they took off their, they got out of their, their cleats and put in, uh, our shoes on one of our shoes on and just rode home, like, you know, hanging out at the, at the coffee shop. And by the way, there's a coffee shop in North Boulder. If you want to make a million dollars, just show up on a Sunday at around 11 with a crane, just steal the bike rack. Uh, it is crazy. <laughs> so just anyway, tons of people. yeah, it just, I mean, there's not one bike under 10 grand on that rack. It's Oh, wow. it's oh our, I get it. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone's greatest. out cruising. Right. So anyway, they were one of the guys was riding home wearing our shoes and not even clipped in, obviously, and looked down and goes, I'm putting out more watts in your shoes than when I'm clipped in. And I said, Yeah, I can tell you why. With a stiff cycling shoe, your foot is just becoming a dumb lever. When your foot can move, it A can be strong just independently, and B, you're getting feedback that's sending neurological signals up the chain, up your basically up your entire leg about letting it know what's coming. So it's just giving information so that your body is pre-potentiated, ready for all that force that you want to apply, that otherwise you can't
0: feel anything and it's not doing it. So oh. um, we're experimenting with that, let's just say. Yeah, okay, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. My dad's really into cycling, so I'll oh, have, cool. to get mail to have him try that and give him a pair. So it's it's funny too, Steven, so I, and I'll be honest, you, you just said it and it was one of the questions I had today uh, a few minutes ago was, when i started running in your shoes and this is what I, this is why i brought in the the fact that i wore vivos last year was like those i put a hole in i mean i i don't think i, I really don't feel like i ran i have to go back and look i i use strava so i can see how many miles i ran yeah. in them but it wasn't it wasn't that many so to me they started like ripping and kind of falling apart mm. so for zeros you have this 5000 mile warranty is that do you do you think real like truthfully on the podcast do you think like if i use those for my running shoes next year like I, they're not really going to wear out the same way. Like I'm used to having shoes wear out. So
1: um I have found much to my disappointment and chagrin that I'm unable to violate the laws of physics. Okay. Um, yep. Pains <laughs> me to no end. And so what I can tell you, first of all, we have a couple of warranties. We have our 5,000 mile sole warranty. We have a 24 month manufacturer's warranty because no manufacturing is perfect for anything, especially for footwear. If you, so what what I can't do in terms of laws I wish I could violate are things having to do with abrasion and friction. So if you are putting a whole lot of horizontal force on the ground, think about just scraping your foot along the ground, that will cause sure. abrasion. Nothing we can do about it. If yeah. you start your car like Fred Flintstone, or if you're running like Fred Flintstone is starting his car, there's nothing I can do about that. Yes. Um, okay. So w- the warranty is basically, w- we've had people who've put, Tens of thousands of miles on our shoes. We've had people who've worn some of our sandals, which are like literally four and a half millimeters of rubber. That's it, and wear them for eight years. Um, We had a guy, one of our first, uh, our first customer service person. So let's say he was our manager because he was the only one. So why not? Yeah. He he was a sixty-five year old guy, and he ran one hundred and twenty to one hundred and sixty miles a week. So he ran from his house to the bus, uh, took the bus from Denver to Boulder, ran from the bus uh, bus stop to our office. That was five miles then did that on the way home, and then took his dog out for five to ten miles, and then on the weekends did his long runs. Whoa. And, he, and this is, again, in our simplest little sandal, the first thing we made, four and a half millis of rubber. And so he's doing all that mile mileage, and after a year, he's showed us his shoes. Like, it, it, it didn't look new, but it was still totally fine. So if you wow. have really good form, here's the best way I can say it. Good one of the marks of good form is that you're landing with your foot underneath your center of mass underneath your body as much as possible so if you imagine standing up just lift up your foot put it back down to the ground that's kind of ideal i mean a tiny bit in front of that but not very much um and so if you literally just lift up your foot put it down lift it up put it down lift it up put it down there's no horizontal force there's no abrasive force things like that can last forever mm-hmm. and so uh, and by the way on this whole thing about uh, landing with your foot underneath you I was at an event recently. It's called the Mountain Land Running Summit. It was just a couple of days of uh, the top researchers in the country talking about the cause and cure of running injuries. And for the first time ever, while people had different opinions about how to treat various things or, you know, best nutrition or best workouts, or whatever, they all agreed on one thing. The biggest problem, the biggest cause of injuries is overstriding, is landing with hmm. your foot in front too far in front of you. Uh, if you stand up and put one foot out in front of you where it, you're, you're finding it's landing naturally, if you're an overstriding person, and, you, and I say, so what does that look like you're doing if you're, say, in a car? People will go, oh, it looks like I'm putting my foot on the brakes. It's like, yep, that's exactly what you're doing. When you land with your foot in front of you, it stempor- temporarily slows you down. And then you have to reaccelerate by pulling your foot underneath you. And that's yeah. actually causes strain on your hamstring and your glute because they're not meant to be pulling towards you. They're meant to be pushing back. So, or that's where they're the strongest more accurately. So, um, so again, can't violate the laws of physics, but we did make the product so that it would last longer. When we met our first rubber manufacturer and told them what we wanted, what we wanted the compound to be, the guy said, but that's not how they make rubber for the outsoles of shoes. And I went, yeah, no joke. That's why why we, why we want to do it this way.
0: Oh, got it. Okay. That's really cool. Because I mean, I, I feel like even from just talking to you and, and learning more about the the old running shoes that I used to use, like those, de- they're designed to just burn. It's like a whole marketing thing. They're they designed to be burned through and be so- sold.
1: So you look at a modern running shoe and typically there's all this foam and then a super thin layer, like one and a half, two millimeters of actual rubber, right? It didn't used to be that way. It used to be a thicker layer of rubber and a much thinner midsole, but they literally are designing the outsole, the rubber part to fall apart, to wear out around the time that the midsole is compromised. Because as soon as you're stepping on foam, every time you step on it, it gets compressed. It gets. the shape changes i was oh my god i was at the denver airport and there was a guy in front of me on the on the little walkway yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the um the inside of the midsole of his shoes had so collapsed from the way he was walking on it his feet were like massively turned in i mean his you know it's like his ankle bones were almost touching the ground because of how the midsole of the shoe had just fallen apart uh, compressed on just on the inside part. And I took a video of this just from like the knees down just to show people, this will tell you the difference between social media platforms on Facebook. Everyone's going, Oh my God, those shoes are horrible. What are they doing to his body? They're going to screw up his ankles, his knees and his hips. And on Instagram, everyone's going, why are you body shaming that guy? <laughs> body shaming? I'm shoe shaming the guy. I don't yeah. know yeah, the if guy. It get it right. So, um, so, you know, it, it's an interesting thing to look at, like, look at the wear pattern On your shoes. Look at the where, you know, how the foam has compressed and changed uh, because it happens very slowly. And I did some, I was in the lab with a guy named Dr. Bill Sands. He was the former head of biomechanics for the US Olympic Committee. And he would just show that every shoe you put on for most people changes their gait in Hmm. ways that they don't even notice. And then over time, as the shoe compresses, as the foam compresses, et cetera, it changes it even more. But because it happens so slowly, you don't notice. And then you come in going, how come I have a you know, knee, hip, back, whatever injury? And no one even thinks to look at the shoe to go, oh, this shoe has now compromised my biomechanics because my ankle is no longer under my knee, which is no longer under my hip, which is no longer, you know, it's
0: crazy. Right, yeah.
1: But again, it happens slow, slowly that we don't notice.
0: No, that makes sense. I know I was listening to someone on a podcast the other day that was saying usually, oh, you know what it was? I'm, I'm reading, do you know who Kelly Starrett is? Uh, yeah, uh, quite well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm reading his newest book. I can't remember the exact name of it, but I'm listening listening to the audio version and it, I'm on a chapter where he was talking about how, you know, if you have back pain, you can tell you almost nine times out of 10, you didn't do something to your back. It's probably something to do with your hips or your knees or your ankles or your feet. and this is just a story for everyone on here. It's, it's not. It could necessarily it could be related to to the shoes I've been wearing, but um, i I've, I've, I'm, I'm 32. I'm very healthy, active. I've never really had pains of any sort, to be honest, except when I've like overrun, and which is funny. And um, all of a sudden, lately, I've been, I've like had this weird middle of like almost like a spine pain, like in the middle mm. of my back in the mornings. I'm like, that's really weird. Like, what have I done differently? Like, I couldn't think of anything, and I realized I'll try to roll it over here, but my dog bed's in the way. When I moved into this house, I don't know if you can see this. I bought one of these chairs that are like the—I don't know if you can really see this. It's What's like it the ones that have like a little bit more of the cushion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're kind of like yeah. So I thought that was something like ergonomic, good from a you yeah. know whatever. I'm I was I was thinking back, and I'm like I started getting the pain when I started sitting in that all day. And I have a standing desk. I just it was a new chair, so I'm just didn't think twice to stand up. And this whole week, literally Monday through today, this is Friday afternoon. I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lower this desk. I'm just going to stand for the week and I'm wearing my zero shoes and I'm like, I'm barefoot at my desk right now. Back pain's gone. Yeah. So similar idea, you know, most chairs. the question about cushioning
1: is the same thing about uh, chairs, cushioning your shoes, think, stay, your yeah, chairs. That's what I want to ask you if you're if you're basically relaxing things that should be tense to hold you up, then you know things can get out of whack. I'm going to show you the chair I'm sitting on. This is from okay. a company called Core 360 Q O R 360. So hold that thought. This is the zero shoes of chairs.
0: Oh, so, nice! I should have
1: gotten it's, that. It's super super unstable ish. Okay. And so you're constantly having to. So it's sitting, the whole idea that sitting is the new smoking is not true. Uh, not moving is the new smoking. And so most chairs, you just don't move. This thing, you have to constantly be making these little adjustments, just like your feet. Make little yeah. adjustments to help you stand properly. Uh, funny story about that. Um, it's a two-part story. I'm talking to guys who make a insole that's basically a force plate. And so they hmm. they put it in the shoe and they were standing up trying to like uh, calibrate the equipment and they could never get a stable reading. It's like, what the hell? Why can't I get a stable reading? And It took them a while to realize their feet are constantly making these little micro movements for balance and agility. When you're standing, that's what takes the oh. pressure off your ankle, your knee, your hips and your back. So it's never occurred to them in a similar vein. I know a guy, he's a doctor for, uh, at a place where the entire community works in a warehouse. They're like 12 doing 12 hour days in a concrete floor warehouse or, or factory. They're making, um, uh, toys for kids, um, wooden toys for kids. <clears throat> and they were having just a whole bunch of, foot, ankle, hip, knee, back problems. To make a long story short, they switched to minimalist footwear. And he says, I can't tell people that the number of injuries I treat has gone down to almost zero because they just don't believe me. Oh, why So, you know, and people say it to us all the time. I'm on my feet all day. What, what do I do? Um, actually, I just realized this. I heard this, I hear this a lot. I was uh, in a hospital two, two weeks ago for a little minor thing for my back uh, and uh, three doctors stopped me and said, thank you for everything you're doing. We're on our feet all day, and we couldn't do that until we had your shoes.
0: Um, wow, that's so cool.
1: One of my oldest friends, he, he I didn't even know this, uh, he said a couple of years ago I bought your shoes. Now the entire surgical department in our hospital wears nothing but your shoes. And now oh, we are wow. time at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just so interesting, right? I I, I do think we're in this, I don't even want to, I don't know what i call it, health 2.0 or 3.0, where it seems like we're, we're, <laughs> there's more and more people starting to peel back the bullshit that was like so much marketing over the last two decades, three decades, um, uh, five, five. Yeah. Well, uh, here, yeah.
1: Let good. me, let me give you my favorite story about that. Well, first of all, um, big shoe companies brilliantly misuse physics. Okay. So they do all these things like, you know, Hey, here, here's um, so, um, Adidas, or if you want to be pretentious and correct, call it Adidas. <laughs> Is that really how you pronounce it? Yeah, because the company was uh, was Adi Dossler. That's who founded it. Oh,
0: so, I didn't know that. Okay. Again,
1: you know, correct. If you're in Europe, pretentious if you're at a dinner party.
0: Yes, correct. <laughs>
1: anyway, uh, they did a, uh, a demo of their new boost foam where they took like a two pound steel ball, they bounced it off some concrete, it barely bounces. They bounced it off the, quote, the other company's foam, it bounces a few times, barely. They bounced it off the boost foam, and the first bounce goes to about I don't know, 25% of the height that they dropped it from and then it bounces like 10 times. Well, that's cool, but you can go to the Exploratorium museum in San Francisco
0: mm-hmm. and they
1: have an exhibit where you can drop a steel ball through a plexiglass plate with a hole in it and the steel ball lands on or hits a plex, uh, a steel plate with concrete underneath it. So, again, in the boost foam, the ball bounced, you know, about 25-30% from the initial height. What's your guess on how what percentage of height you get back from a steel ball bouncing off a steel plate with concrete underneath it
0: oh man um intuitively i want to say it's not going to bounce but i feel like with this test it's going to bounce a lot i don't know now i'm now i'm confusing myself yeah the first bounce hits the plexiglass plate
1: okay so it comes all the way back about 99.5 percent whoa okay bounces 200 more times or 260 more times actually. The only thing that would be better would be like a diamond ball on a diamond plate. But you might be surprised to find that if they did that they would lose the diamond ball and diamond plate. So this is a misuse of physics. Um, The other thing what shoe companies have convinced you of is things like running is just inherently painful and stressful and difficult. Well, then you go to countries and places where they don't have modern athletic shoes and they don't have these problems. They're running happily until they're in their 70s or 80s or however long they live, not a problem. Well, but here's the here's the the finale to that. On the Nike website, on their Run Fearless page, at the, towards the bottom of the page, they printed a portion of the abstract of a study that they designed and they commissioned. And the way they publicized the results of the study, and the whole study has never been published, the way they publicized Their interpretation of the results of the study was they said that this new shoe they developed, so they were comparing their best-selling running shoe to a new shoe they developed. Zoom Structure 22, their best seller to the React Infinity Run. They said the new shoe reduced injuries over 12 weeks by 52%. Sounds great. Then you look at the numbers. It's on their website. The Zoom Structure injured 30.3% of the people running in it in 12 weeks. The React Infinity Run, quote, only injured 14.5%. Is that the best you can do after 50 years of R&D?
0: Yeah, you're like, why are you? Yeah, exactly. And
1: secondly, injury rates go up over time. They don't stay consistent after 12 weeks. So what'd you do to make it better? And this is not in the, uh, what they have on their website, but this is in the study. I've seen the study. The guy who did it showed it to me. They said they got rid of many of the protective features. They made it more like us. Well, of course. Then the next question should be, well, if that shoe's so much better than the other one, why are you still selling the other one? And then the next question should be, if that shoe's so much better, how many you know with that new technology or that better technology, how many other shoes are you using with that technology? The answer right now two let's just say that if we injured fourteen to thirty percent of the people wearing our shoes in twelve weeks, uh, I'd be having this conversation from my jail cell.
0: <laughs> You're right though you would be having a totally different whole different outcome and do you and why do you think that is do you think do you think companies like Nike just are they're so massive and people have just always Not always, but like in the last few decades, if you have Nikes on, you assume you're wearing one of the nicest, best of the best.
1: The shoe companies have convinced you that the shoes are fine. And if you're having a problem, it's because of you. I'm here to tell you it's the other way around.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Here's part of the proof.
1: If these shoes are so good, why is there still a multi, multi multi-billion dollar market for things that you buy to fix your shoes? Different arts, different cushioning, different whatever. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, the shoe companies know what that stuff is. Why don't they just build it right into their shoes? And the answer is that stuff doesn't really work either like and some of it's just being misused orthotics and by the way well i'll say two things about orthotics orthotics were never designed to be something you wear all the time they were designed like if you had a problem and you needed your foot to rest while it recovered so it's like putting a you know uh, you get whiplash you don't live in a neck brace for the rest of your life you wear it while you recover and you start working on strength and flexibility during that whole time same thing with orthotics now that said if you wear orthotics and you think i just said something really you know sacrilegious that's cool don't worry the best platform for an orthotic is our shoes because they're flat there's no built-in arch support where it gets in the way of the orthotic we don't have a foam midsole that breaks down unevenly which changes the geometry of the orthotic Um, what i saw in bill sands lab again Every different shoe people would wear would change their gait. What that suggests is you would actually need a different orthotic for every shoe that you wear, and then you need to change it every time that shoe gets compromised in some way. But that's just absurd. The other answer is you just get your feet strong enough so that they can just support you because that's what feet are supposed to do.
0: So what would you say about, I don't know the right terminology, but I would just say like if if you're flat footed, is that? Is that like a thing? Is that like a fake thing too?
1: Oh, no, it's a thing. It's just not what people think it is. So okay. I had comedy level flat feet my whole life. My parents used to tease me about it. I'd get out of a pool and you see an oval with some dots in front of it. I mean, it was okay. bad. Um, yeah. So I don't think there's research currently showing this, but I'm going to just share my experience and, the, and what I hear from people. By using my feet, they got stronger. And what that did is so the longitudinal arch, the one that we think of as the arch, it got stronger. And what it did is it made my feet a little shorter. It built an arch, not a huge mm-hmm. one, because that's predominantly genetic, but it got, but really a strong one. And it made my feet a little wider too. So by just going basically barefoot uh, or in the first sandals that I made, my feet got stronger. I developed an arch. I get out of a pool now. It looks like a footprint, not like one of those, you know, massive, giant hole in the middle section, but, you know, it looks yeah. like a footprint. And I've heard this story over and over and over. It's not in any way surprising to me any longer. So again, a lot of the, pro- the problem is not whether your feet are flat or even high arched. Uh, the issue is, are your feet strong enough to do what they need to do? And again, how do you make something stronger? You use it. You exercise it. You put it under a little bit of load. So if you want to get your feet stronger one of the, and, and you don't want to like, run barefoot, for example, uh, jump rope.
0: Yeah, so Very rope.
1: similar thing. And that's a good way of doing it. If you don't want to jump rope, just jump up and down, not on a trampoline, mm. on the floor, just, you know, because when you do that, when you jump up and down, you're going to be landing on the ball of your foot. You're going to be engaging your arch. You're going to be engaging your ankle. It's one way to get stronger. Uh, and, you know, like any workout, you do a little bit, you rest when you feel better, you know, when you're you know not sore. For example, you do it again. As you get better, you add some time, you add some weight, you add some whatever kind of extra resistance you want to do.
0: No, that makes a ton of sense. So like the, the arch in your foot is kind of like when it's flat, it, another analogy of that could probably be like, it's just a super weak muscle. It's just yeah. something that like any other muscle, just like you yeah. haven't built strength around it. And as you build strength, instead of it necessarily getting bigger, like another muscle, it could kind of get bigger, but it actually just like strengthens and bends.
1: Yeah. And and the the whole the whole point of the longitudinal arch is that when you engage it, which happens when you, if you land on the ball of your foot or midfoot and your toes are kind of pulled up towards your knee... Um, that pulls that, that ligament, it pulls that arch and what that does is it aligns the bones in your foot into an arch. We call it an arch for a reason. Yeah. An arch is the most stable structure in architecture. Same thing with your foot. It's a flexible arch which is even better because that way it's allowing your foot to be part of the spring mechanism that is your entire lower body. So it it starts with your foot, continues with your ankle. People talk about pronation. Pronation, Mm -hmm. unless it's way too fast or way too much, is part of the spring mechanism in the foot and ankle. Your knees are part of a spring mechanism. Your hips are part of a spring mechanism. So, But it all starts with the feet. And if your feet aren't able to be the right spring and give the right signal to the upstream parts of your body, then the rest of those things have problems as well.
0: Wow. I have learned so much today, Stephen. This is this is so cool. Um, that was a total accident. <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> I can tell you're passionate about this, which is well, I love know, talking. to you, people I'll who tell you are. What it is. First of all, I
1: I'm, I've always been fascinated by movement. I've done a bunch of things. I was an all-American gymnast. I've done Zen archery. I've done Tai Chi. I taught yoga. I mean, you name it. I, if it's some physical thing, I, 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 if I haven't done it, you know, I can pick up the the things about what makes it work pretty well. As an undergraduate at Duke, I did research on cognitive aspects of motor skill acquisition. I mean, I'm just kind of oh, into wow. it. Yeah. Other thing that I'm I'm really into, and I don't know why, and into is not the right way of saying it, I get really, really angry when I discover that in some industry, people have been lying to you in order to make money. Yeah, for and sure. Making, and, and hurting you in the process. And yeah. I sometimes joke that it's a shame that shoes don't kill people because then we have a Philip Morris story on our hands. And I would argue that uh, in the in, in the footwear world, what the big companies are doing is in many ways, no different than what the tobaccos company did, tobacco companies did. They're knowingly harming you. And if that sounds crazy, remember what I said a few minutes ago, go to the Nike website, look at the Run Fearless page. They show that after 50 years, the best they can seemingly do, is injured between 14.5% and 30.3% of the people wearing their shoes in under 12 weeks. What
0: the what? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? I mean, that, that's, that's up to a third of the, every one in three people yeah. wearing their shoes or get injured. That's crazy.
1: Well, imagine I said to you, hey, let's go out for dinner. Uh, every, I'm going to take you out for dinner every night this week. Uh, you have a choice between one of two restaurants. One of them, you're going to get food poisoning on average you know, once a week. The other, you're going to get yeah. food poisoning on average twice a week. Which one do you want to go to? Exactly. Like, how about none? Of how those? about neither of
0: these? Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. Well,
1: that's not the option. Or imagine you go to a running shoe store. It's like, hey, what's your best selling running shoe? Well, this one. But just so you know, it'll injure about thirty percent of the people wearing it in twelve weeks. Oh, uh, do you have one that doesn't injure thirty percent? Yeah, this one only injures you know about fourteen percent of the people, like one out of seven in twelve weeks. Don't you have anything that's not going to injure me? It's like, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah didn't yeah. you see it's said running shoe store?
0: Yeah. Right. 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 It's so wild. It's so okay. for you, Stephen, I mean, you've you've been doing this a while, and and one of the things we we didn't really have a lot of time to get into because this was so interesting, honestly, of what we what we have talked about, is is where the business is going. So you've obviously been doing it for a while. You said your wife got involved early on to help you with you know operations and finance. So if you were to give everyone listening today from the business side of things with Zero Shoes, like where do you feel like you are on the spectrum? Like, are you guys? At this point, like you guys were on Shark Tank, obviously, like you've had some very like public displays of what this business can be. Um, You're obviously not in your infancy. You're well beyond that now. But you also like I would love to know for you guys, for you, is this this seems like such a passion. I can totally see this like you want it. You would love to keep this as an independent company forever. Or do you, you know, where do you kind of see this on the spectrum of, 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 from a business perspective? Like, what are you guys trying to build? Where are you trying to go? Yeah. I have to remind myself
1: that we're not a startup, but in my mind, we're always a startup. So, That's good. cause there's always something new to do. Um, we've got some things, so we've been growing like 30 to 40% year over year for many, many years. Um, you can find our financials. We have, we filed them publicly. Zero shoes. Oh, really? S E C. Yeah. We did an equity crowdfunding raise in 2017 and raised a little over a million dollars. So we have to file our financials publicly twice a year.
0: Oh, and where do you file it at? Sorry. I think I cut you off.
1: slash S E C.
0: Oh, okay. So that'll yeah.
1: redirect you to the quote Edgar website where you can find all our financials. Um, when people say, you know, you can't keep growing 30 to 40% year over year. I say, I know it should be much faster. And they think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. Or um, we ha- we do have an investor. Uh, we have a private equity company that has a minority position in our company. And there's an advisor to that company who has a long history in footwear, who invested it directly uh, in parallel with them also. Mm. And when we were courting each other, he said, do you see this becoming a billion dollar brand in 10 years? I went, oh, God, no, seven. And it sounds a little glib, and it is. But I can paint that picture. I can tell you how we, I I can tell you that if these things happen and these are things in the works, then that could happen. The, The best thing I can say is we're just here to try and change the world. And I know that sounds even more hyperbolic, but my wife says there's enough shoe companies on the planet. We don't need any more shoe companies unless your shoes are changing people's lives. And we hear people saying that all day, every day, and you change enough lives and you change the world. So there are things that are going on over the next 12 months that have literally just started happening in the last two days. They're starting to, you know, make themselves real. That will change everything for us. Uh and and just start that ball rolling even faster. Um, what I can tell you is if you look in Google Trends, trends T-R-E-N D S, trends.google.com. Oh, yeah. You search for and you look in barefoot shoes, it'll show you how many people have been searching for barefoot shoes. And you look from 2004 to the present, and you look both in the US only and worldwide. And you'll see that after the big boom in 2009, 2010, everything kind of settled down for a while, but it's been growing organically for the last few years. And we're basically, we hit, a, we hit an all time peak in interest, oh. both in the US and worldwide. And that's been growing consistently. I have to, I had to remind myself that a lot of that happened because of all the stuff that we've been doing for the last 14 years, I forgot we were partly responsible, but nonetheless and independent of that, you know, the interest is growing significantly. And what really sells this story is not the data and it's not people saying, you know, whatever their experience is, it's people's own experience. And so the more we can get people to just have the experience. And discover what it's like, you know. Discover how it feels. Feel what you've been missing: natural comfort, performance, and health. That's what makes it move. The biggest thing that has grown our business is word of mouth, okay. and um, and people get into what we're doing, and they don't want to wear other things. So you know, they they buy a pair of sandals, and the next thing you know, they have six pairs of our shoes too, for various can reasons. See that. That, that? I could see that easily happening. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unprecedented. It really is pretty crazy. So, um, we're just trying to do everything we can to give more and more people, more and more different kinds of people, the experience of natural movement and let it go from there. And we're just finding ways to do that. Uh, and some of the stuff that's happening now are ways where some of it will be just literally people being able to have the experience, um, uh, some of that's getting into more retail, some of that's some other relationships we have. Some of that is just hearing from people who are more famous and highly respected. So there's just, uh, um, lots of different ways that we're trying to, to make that happen. And um, we've been growing really, really quickly internationally. We started oh, zero shoes. Yeah, yeah, it is. We started ZeroShoes.eu zero about a year and a half, to, uh, two years ago. And it's in two years, it got to be the size of our regular company. Like after eight years, I mean, just oh wow, going really fast. We're just launched, or we just launched zeroshoes.co.uk, uh, and that's still getting rolling. In fact, if people go there, you'll see the new design of our new website. We're rolling that back to .com and .uk. Nice. Um, so there, so I, I guess there, there's a lot going on where we just see things really, really starting to accelerate. And the gist is this: if you think about uh, the analogy, I like to use is. The original Audi TT, their mm-hmm. little two-seater roadster, the original design, it looked like kind of a VW bug on acid. It was just a, whiz. some people really liked it. Some people thought it looked really weird. It was very polarizing, it got a lot of attention because it was very polarizing. Over time, people got used to seeing it. It was like, okay, whatever. And then they were more, you know, they'd see it more and more often and then they'd kind of go, oh, yeah, i will got check it out. Yeah. And so, and at that same time, Audi was toning down the wackiness of it until it got prettier and prettier. And at a certain point, that car, you know, really took off for them. I think we're going to see the same thing. More and more people are wearing our shoes. Our shoes are very recognizable. People get stopped all the time by other people going, hey, what are those? I have uh, the Ford, bright hey. blue, the bright yeah. blue Prioneos Neos is the ones I bought. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, and so when we have, and it's not just us, when the whole category has enough awareness that even the doubters are going to go. Yeah, let's give it a shot. Yeah, that's when things are going to go exponential. Because again, the experience is so profound. It's not going to get everyone. It's not going to be hundred percent, but it's going to be so many more people getting hip to the idea, having that experience, wanting to have it all the time. And to answer your question about you know keeping it independent or whatever, our only concern is doing the right thing for the brand. Is well, doing that. things so we so we don't lose the DNA got us where we are. We've seen it happen with other companies where either they get acquired and then that company says, oh, let's just put in a bunch of padding. Let's, you know, add some art support. Let's add, and all, it just goes to crap. Or the company itself is, for whatever reason, has the idea that if they add cushioning, if they add art support, if they add heel lift, they'll make more money, which they need for some reason. We will never do that. Um, We're always going to give you the... A range, actually, between as barefoot as you want to go and the protection that you need for some activity you're doing, like hiking or snowboarding or whatever, uh, but still allow that natural movement. Still allow your feet, your toes to spread, your foot to move, your, your brain to get feedback from the ground. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I have no idea. Uh, so we have had people approach us. And say, like I mentioned, you know, someone who said, "Hey, you just yeah. need to make the shoes not last long." Click. Yeah, yeah. We've had that often. If somebody comes into our business and they say they want to invest, and the first thing they do is tell us what they should, what we should be doing differently, that's the end of the conversation. So um, makes and, total and, sense. And at the same time, we need to um, we need to have more resources. You know, we've we've right. been growing. People say you keep growing thirty to forty percent. That's huge. And I say, you know, it should be faster because. If we had more money to buy more inventory, to expand the product line, there's so many things we could do that would have made everything grow faster. We just haven't had those resources or we didn't take those resources because they came with enough, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, problems that it just was going to be a bad idea. So I have no idea is the best thing I can say.
0: No, I, I love that answer. And and Steven, it's funny, like talking to you today, you do such a good job of of embi- um butchering this word embodying the mm-hmm. the meaning and the reason why you started zero shoes it's like how can you take what what you just shared on this podcast i'm sure doing podcasts like this helped to some degree um and and share that across the board right and and for you guys i mean i'm, I'm just speaking because this is my circle like I I, again, I have a I have a type of a home gym that I use that I I built in my garage, but I like to say I'm like the the world's shittiest CrossFitter Um, (laughs) that community and that like I worked at RX bar back before RX bar was acquired. And so like that's kind of where I learned about CrossFit. And, you know, a lot of things you talk about, it's like functional fitness, CrossFit, all those different things are kind of all the same thing in my mind. Um, but I don't know, it's funny, like getting, getting zero in the hands of the, the Marcus Philly, it was a guy I mentioned, like I ought to introduce you guys. Cause I'm sure he would love your shoes too. He that'd he wears great. the vivos just cause I'm sure they're, they're helping him. Uh, yeah, you know. Great. love to get an American made company in his hands. Well, let be clear, um, let's be clear about what American made means. Everyone's
1: manufacturing in Asia because it literally is the only place to do it. When people say, well, you should be making, making stuff in America. It's like, I would love to, but it's literally not possible to make products oh, really? like these. Oh, yeah. Literally not possible. The factories aren't here. The equipment's not here. The materials aren't here. The people who know how to do it aren't here. Um, not at scale and not for all the kind of stuff we're doing. Uh oh, it's I didn't literally know that. not Literally not possible to make things domestically in the same way it's literally not possible for us to be having this conversation on domestically made devices.
0: Yes, so, correct.
1: And yep. the and people, and people love to argue with me about that. I go, the industry experts, the people who know more about this than <laughs> and I do, say it would be... You know, $100 billion in 20 years until that could possibly happen. So, okay. um, it, it, the, the best thing I can say is the whole idea of where to manufacture, it's not as simple as humans like to think that it is. That makes yeah, so much sense. Yeah. We imagine that if we can imagine it, it must be as simple to make that happen for real.
0: It's yeah. Not yeah.
1: the case, unfortunately.
0: Got it. No, no, no. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um,
1: but sorry, but yeah. interject though. But the good news is, the factories that we do use, we are proud of them. They treat the environment and their people really, really well. These are they're giving people jobs that are in high demand because they are good jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they pay well and treat people well, and we're we're proud to be with them. There, people like to say, well, you know, move to this country. It's like, well, if you move to that country, the materials are still coming from another country, and the conditions are not as good because you know they don't have the same motivation to do that. So it's, yeah, again, it's simply just not as simple as we would all like it to be.
0: Yeah, no, that makes tons of sense. I know that's a whole, whole deep world that I probably don't know enough about that, uh, you know, I'm sure yeah. it gets oversimplified. Like many
1: things. Human beings For like sure. to make things simple.
0: Yeah, right, 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 right. Well, I could totally see this. Stephen, I mean, I, again, I hope I'm I'm one person who can be a, a loudspeaker for what you guys are doing. Um, Thank you. you know, I see I could see these getting into the hands of a lot of you know, like I said, functional fitness folks. Seems like an obvious one. Like it just yeah. seems so obvious to me. You see some of the shoes they wear, and you know a lot of it's brand deals and sponsorships, and and, yeah. and it's the same thing. You know.
1: Yeah my my goal in a year is to have a whole bunch of those very famous people who are you know, wearing other stuff. Um, Take their old footwear and their old contracts and I'll uh, throw them into a wood chipper.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, yeah. I, I think you got something. I mean, I, I love the, the the product itself. Um, one of the things when we started recording, I told you I would I would try to wrap this up in an hour so that you have time before your next one. So what I'm going to do is move to. We have a couple of questions that I love to ask to find to finish up the call, Stephen. And I'm I'm pumped because I I, I, th- I genuinely think you're going to have some good answers here. The first one is is around goal setting and just getting stuff done. So Steven, as you're running a major company, right? Uh, you're already yeah. laughing, so this is going to be a good answer. Yeah. Um, when you think about setting, whether it's you know, big multi-year goals, annual goals, all the way down to just like, what is Steven doing today? What tools do you put around you? So are you like a pen and paper kind of guy? Do you use apps? What, what, is, what does Steven use to get shit done? Uh,
1: unfortunately, my brain. Um, Okay. yeah, I literally haven't found any, I haven't found anything that works the way my brain works as quickly as I need it to work in a way that I would then be able to reference it in a way that's useful. Um, and I'm not proud of this, to be honest. I mean, my joke is I do it that way because I'm old enough that they hadn't invented Ritalin when I was a kid. So, um, uh, you know, invariably people who start working here, especially if they're involved in anything that I do after a little while of being here, will say, um, how do you do this? I mean, you were doing my job too before I got here. It's like, yep. So um, yeah, I haven't found any of those tools that actually work the way I need. In fact, there was a, I think an article in Wired Magazine about all those productivity tools and how they really don't work for people.
0: I would, I'm i with you. Um, I, I use something, I talk about this way too much for how much I, I don't, I get a, no, no money from these people. I use something called a full focus planner and I have ADD got diagnosed with ADD, for the whole nine yards. And it's, um, I'll send you a link to it. It's, it's cool. something that just like makes you just like dumb things down and pick what's important to do today. Cause otherwise I'm like all the fuck over the place. Well, but, I'm, you know, like, here, but here's the
1: other thing on any given day, there's like 10 things that happen that I didn't plan that, that are necessary yes. to attend to. Yes. Um, or, you know, or something that we've been working on that falls apart or, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many things that change all every day that, um,
0: yeah, it it's it's again, it's not as simple as we would like. I, I yeah, that makes sense. So do you even use like pen and paper? Like do you like jot things oh, yeah. down or I, do you
1: I do. Um and I've got a whiteboard and I put things on the whiteboard and eventually I erase it if I haven't looked at what it was for two years. Yeah. Um I have a stack of papers and if I haven't looked at that in two years I just throw the whole thing away. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the pen and paper, the problem is that I have like three notebooks and I have to remember which one I I wrote in.
0: I got to figure out how to do something about that. Yeah. You know, it's funny though, Steven, I, I would tell you, and I've said this recently on this podcast a few times, that response that you just had, I would tell you 95% of the founders, and I've had almost 300 of them on here by this point, say the same thing. Right. So I'm actually starting to develop a belief that if you're going to be an entrepreneur and a founder, there is something to be said about being a little disorganized. When, when, like There's just something about just like you tackle and go and go yeah, and go. Yeah. Here's a ver- variation on that for the fun of it. Years ago, um, uh, a very well-known internet marketer uh,
1: called me to say, hey, we have an opportunity to spend, I don't know how much it was, some large amount of money to go hang out with Richard Branson on his island. And I said, oh, okay. well, why would I want to do that? He's like, what? I said, why would I want to do that? Because, well, imagine what you could learn from Richard Branson. I said, oh, I already, I already know. Oh, really what? I said, uh, I would learn that I'm not Richard Branson. <laughs> and, and, and here's the kicker. Neither is he. If he had to recreate everything that happened to him in the last you know, 30 years, he couldn't do it. The world has changed. He has changed. So, you know, oh, that's funny. I can't, I, yeah. I can't model myself over someone who's dyslexic and British and really good looking. And, you know, I mean, put all these things together. It's like, yeah, yeah, that it, it doesn't work that way. You just kind of figure out your, your version.
0: I like that. I like that answer a lot. That's true. We're all different and we all have our own way. Yeah. Um, the next one, Stephen, is around source of knowledge. So again, I'm assuming you're going to have something that's going to be good. Is there something that I always like to keep this really open-ended? It could be a book, a podcast, an article, just something that as soon as I said that popped into your brain that the listeners today could, could go and learn from.
1: Um, Two of my favorite books that can change your life if you really let them. One is Fooled by Randomness from Nassim Talib, the guy who also wrote The Black Swan. Most people oh, read it they think guy. they know what he's talking about. They're wrong. Uh, Fooled by Randomness, the subtitle is something like The Hidden Role of Chance and Markets and Life. And part of what it does, if you really take it to heart, is it gets you out of the idea that you're as integral a part of whatever happens to you as you think you are. Um, um, you know, so much of what happens, I say 90% of what we've accomplished is luck. And the other 10% is, is also luck. And then there's a separate hundred percent where 90% is uh, working your ass off every day. Uh, and the other 10% is hopefully being smart enough to know how to put out the fire that started overnight, even though nothing changed since yesterday. So, so fooled by like randomness is one. The other is, uh, stumbling on happiness from Daniel Hmm. Gilbert. And the reason that book is so interesting, I can give you the Reader's Digest version and he's got a um, TED talk about it. that's a slightly longer version of the Reader's Digest version. The Reader's Digest version is human minds, our number one goal is to try to predict what will make us happy in the future. The problem is we're really bad at it. The other problem is we're even worse at remembering how bad we are at it. And the other problem (laughs) is even if we remembered all that, we'd still think we're special. Yeah, yeah, a million other people got what I thought I needed to be happy and they're no happier than they were to begin with. But if I got it, I'm special. I know all those lottery winners are no happier a year later than they were before they won the lottery. But if I won the lottery and so what it does, again, if you take it to heart is you become less enamored with the idea that if you get to a certain thing, then you will be happy. And once you get over that idea, it's not that you get over it. It's that once that idea, when that idea pops into your brain, you just don't pay as much attention to it. It's like, you know, if the thought, uh, I'm a tall black woman came into my mind, I would give it no attention. So when the thought, I'll be happy if, you know, we sell the company for a billion dollars comes into my mind. I give it no attention because it's just not the way things work. And that just frees you up to be a little more, Attentive to what's going on and dealing with what's happening now without getting too wrapped up in it. Now, to be clear, my biggest source of stress, (laughs) there's two, my biggest source of stress is that I'm very aware of where we are now, but I'm Mm -hmm. very aware of where this company could be. And the gap is stressful. I mean, that's the math of it. If you imagine the difference between where you are and where you want to be, that's a cause of stress. But the only difference is I don't imagine I'll be happier then. I just imagine that that's what you know. That's the culmination of this. That's something that would be a good thing. That's something that would be whatever. The other thing that stresses me out is uh, on the way to and from work. There's always people driving ten miles under the speed limit in front of me. That just
0: <laughs> that just kills me. See, that's because you live in Boulder. Here in Chicago, you're getting run over at ten over the, 10 over the speed limit. So it's a different problem yeah. here. I love that. I know I love that. So there's something really to be true about that. I mean, you know, there's like there's something about being present too. I know for me, um, I have a, almost a one-year-old son and this last year, that's been a, a real reality check for me of just, you know, you you know, life's going by fast yeah. and you have a kid yeah. and you're like, holy shit, like every day is a difference. And um, it's definitely made me in, in my business, the podcast, being a dad and a husband, it's like, it's a little bit of a reality check. Yeah. of just like, be a little more present every day because it, it's all flying by real fast. It is very true. I had a uh,
1: bit of a health scare at the beginning of the year, and it really snapped me out of a number of habits that I've had. I've had a habit of postponing enjoyment since I was a mm. kid. You know, okay. uh, like, you know, the marshmallow test that they give kids? You know about this? this is where you eat the marshmallows? Kind of. Uh, they have a kid sitting in a room and they put a marshmallow in front of them and say, uh, You can have the marshmallow if you want, but if you can wait for 15 minutes, I can give you two marshmallows. And most kids cannot wait. They will, you know, they'll just be like freaking out while they're waiting and they'll eventually eat the marshmallow. They did find that people, the kids who have uh, the better ability to, you know, postpone that enjoyment tend to be more successful later in life. I never took the test as a kid, but I can promise you I would have been one of those kids just waiting for the other marshmallow. I don't
0: care. Okay. Um,
1: So I used to literally, I would eat chocolate cake by eating the cakey part first and saving the icing for last. So uh after my little life and death health thing i have been uh very deliberately learning how to not postpone enjoyment like that
0: that's a that's a good way that's a good note for this podcast well, for and, sure and here's
1: here's one of the simple ways if there's something i want to have for dinner and it's like mm-hmm. 10 bucks more than i'm feeling comfortable paying i spend the 10 bucks
0: that's a good one yeah i uh to have a similar similar quick story i I've always been one person that's tried to. I would say I've always been like a big saver, necessarily, but I've definitely been a finance guy as of my background. I, I've always been just more of like planning for retirement. I guess yeah. it's like as a kid and in college that was always kind of like in the back of my head, like that's what, you're, that's what you're supposed to do. And I had a buddy right out of college. We worked at the same company, and um, we were so we were both. I think we were twenty, twenty, twenty-three, twenty-four, and like he was one of those guys that was just really good about putting a lot of money into investments right away when we started making a salary. Tons of it saved. He always had like. He, he had the shittiest car and he was like, yeah, but someday I'm going to have this, you know, really exp- like all the stuff he was really good at. It. Like he was really good about like delaying gratification. And unfortunately, just overnight diagnosed with a brain tumor and we actually like, lost him nine months later. So, and I, I, yeah, I bring this up as a story because um, I just think there's a balance, Well, a balance there. Like, oh, there definitely right? is. Like,
1: but given that there's a book that everyone should read called Die With Zero.
0: I've wanted to read that. It's on my list. I've not read it. Read I should it. read that. And what I can okay. tell you, the experience
1: of reading it, and this has been borne out by other people who I've recommended it to, is it starts out and you're like, yeah, 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 I get it. But the more you decide to keep reading it, and it does get a little redundant and it's not the best written book, uh, but by the end, it will change the way you think about your time, your life, and your money.
0: Mm, and then, okay. even
1: better than changing the way you think about it, it should change the way you behave about it. And, um, not overnight, you know, it's a process, but, um, yeah, this saving, saving, saving for whenever, it's not a good idea. I mean, you don't want to be be an idiot, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Right. There's a balance and it's like, there's things
1: you can do in your thirties and forties. You can't do in your sixties and seventies. So if you don't do them in your thirties and forties, that opportunity is gone.
0: Yeah. And that's a problem. Yep. I I'm, I'm 32 and, and me and my wife tried really hard to have that balance because it's like, you also got to kind of enjoy the ride. I don't want to yeah. be, I'd rather, I'd rather enjoy the ride my whole life than, um, yeah. hope I get to enjoy the ride at the end. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well Stephen, thank you so much. Um, a, honestly, one of, I'm not saying this to blow smoke. This is one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Um, I feel great. like I learned a lot and it was really cool to meet you. Um, for everyone listening, last question, just where can people Learn more about Zero Shoes, where can people follow you, and um, how can people ultimately get involved with that? Uh, it's really simple. Zero Shoes, X-E-R-O-Shoes.com,
1: although amazingly, if you type in Z-E-R-O-Shoes.com, you'll still probably get to us. And in fact, you will. Uh, and then on social media, at Zero Shoes or slash Zero Shoes, wherever you happen to at or slash. Uh, and then if you're in the EU, Zero Shoes.EU, uh, in the UK, Zero shoes.co.uk, you'll get redirected to all those. But, uh, that's where you can get the ball rolling and see what it's like to live life feet first.
0: Love it. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. And I'm going to be putting mine on tonight as I leave the house because I, I seriously am obsessed. I love them. Good so enough. thanks again for the time, man. I thanks, really man. appreciate it. It was nice Pleasure. to meet you. <laughs>